Welcome to The Brian Buffini Show, where we explore the mindsets, motivation, and methodologies of success. Here's your host, Brian Buffini. Well, the top of the morning to you, and a happy Christmas. Now, that's the phrase we use in Ireland. You know, America's Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. In Ireland, we're very efficient, actually. Not true, but we like to think of that. And we say Happy Christmas and a Happy New Year. And Merry is something that happens when you drink too much. So we don't use that word at all. And so today, this podcast is actually airing on Christmas Day. So I have a special message for you. Kind of short, sweet, designed to kind of bless your day. How about that? You know, Christmas is a big deal in Ireland growing up. We don't have a lot of the holidays that you celebrate in America or Canada, for example. We don't have a Thanksgiving. And so we didn't have Hanukkah, per se. There was a very small Jewish community in Ireland growing up. So we wouldn't be that aware of other holidays or other faith traditions. And so Christmas was everything. And Ireland kind of, Ireland growing up for sure, just shut down over Christmas. It kind of be about the 23rd of December, and then nothing would really happen until maybe the 5th or 6th of January. And in fact, at Buffini Company, we do the same thing. We've kept that tradition alive here for over 23 years now. And my American staff really like my Irish sensibilities when it comes to this. So we'll typically finish 22nd of December and then won't open up till 3rd, 4th, 5th of January, depending on when the holiday ends and the new year ends and all that kind of good stuff. We have a great Christmas party every year. And I know politically correctness and whatever else, you're supposed to have a, a holiday party and whatever else. But we do it up. We call it a Christmas party. Don't offend anybody in the way it's done. But, you know, it's done because of uh, where I come from. And we put on a great show. We treat the staff to a great meal. We'll have entertainment. We'll have all kinds of cool stuff. We do acknowledgments. We give out our Servant Leader of the Year Award, uh, which is voted on by the staff. And actually, our producer, David Lally, got the statue. And it's a fabulous statue, the Servant Leader of the Year Award. It's actually a statue of my father on a ladder painting the five circles. That is our logo. And it's on a beautiful wooden base and the the recipient of that every year voted on by their peers great honor to get it they get a replica of it and so we every year we have a great christmas party there's cash bonuses given to everybody but the biggest thing we give them is the gift of time and that's really what this podcast is all about it's called the precious present and so we shut down the company for a couple of weeks and we have hundreds of employees it costs you know high six figures to do this And I say to the staff all the time, you know, to thrive and to serve and to do well at Buffini Company, you don't have to believe what I believe. But I always say to them with a little cheeky expression, I'll say, but how many of you are really delighted that I believe what I believe? And they all raise their hands and they all cheer like gangbusters because they're enjoying the fruits of it. And so today I want to share with you a little bit of why Christmas is such a special deal to me. And I know it is to many people in the holidays, no matter what faith tradition you come from or what your family's traditions were. But I think there might be something in this for all of us. So today it's called the Precious Present. So I'm going to talk about three things. I'm going to talk about the gift of anticipation, which I think is one of the greatest gifts of all. I'm going to talk about the greatest Christmas I ever had. And then I'm going to talk about the Precious Present, which is our theme today. So let's kind of dive in. You know, growing up at home, 
And again, you know, the older I get, the harder it was. The older I get, the better I was. You know, we walked in the snow, barefoot, four miles, uphill both ways. And we ate dirt. And we were thankful to eat dirt. And so I've definitely quoted those kinds of things to my kids. In fact, uh, I remember my oldest son married and in the military has a baby. But I remember when he's about five years old, we're in Walmart and we're there and he was going to get a little toy. He loved little toy soldiers even as a kid. And he was very, very particular about him. And he lines up every single toy soldier. He lines up one of every style available in this whole line in the Walmart. And so he has maybe 30 of these soldiers laying on the ground, all in very specific order, being very particular about him. And I'm, I'm observing this. I think it's fantastic. He's going through the selection process. It's going to be great. So I'm watching this whole thing. I'm just hanging with my little guy. I'm taking the time. And about 15 minutes into this, I okay, now we've got to get going, right? So I go, okay, which one of these would you like? And he just looks up at me lovingly and he goes, Dad, let's get them all. Now, it was interesting. My father told me a long time ago, he said, Brian, you know, you have a different challenge than I did. He said, when you guys asked us for something, we could look you in the eye and tell you we can't afford it. He goes, you're going to have to really be skilled at communicating to your kids because every time they ask you for something, you can't afford it. So you have to have a different conversation with your kids. So I remember this. I remember I was standing there at Walmart and I go, let me just share this with you. And he looks up. He wasn't being disrespectful. He looks up. He puts his hands on me and he goes, Daddy, is this the story of how you grew up poor in Ireland? And it was like, whoa, I've already given him the speech so much that as a five-year-old, he's kind of being helpful. Like, hey, we can just cut to the chase here. And, you know, let's just get them all is still the question I have. And so I do want to go back to the precious present. And I want to talk about the gift of anticipation. I want to go back to my childhood. We obviously didn't have a lot growing up. We had five boys and a girl. Five boys lived in a nine by nine bedroom, no closet. My sister was in a room we called the box room. And the box room, if you stand in the middle of the box room and you stretch out your arms as, as far as you can on both sides, you can touch both walls. And it was seven feet long. So it wasn't big enough for a bed, but it was, you know, however we managed it, it was the box room. And that was Louise's bedroom. And uh, the rest of us lived in a nine by nine. And then our grandparents came on the weekend. So we'd have 10 people in the house, no heat in the house, you know, one bathroom, 720 square foot, tiny little home. But the dynamic was, you know, we're there, it's Christmas day. And so we would get up at about 530 in the morning. You got to picture the scene. In Ireland, in the summertime, it's the greatest thing in the world because it doesn't get dark till 11 o'clock at night. So Ireland is far more northern than most people realize. But in the wintertime, when you were going to school in Ireland in the wintertime, first of all, it was freezing cold in the mornings. There is no heat in the house. The walls, you touch the walls, it was like an electric shock. They were just all solid block walls. And it was dark when you went to school and it was dark when you came home from school. So if you went to school at 8 o'clock in the morning, it was pitch black. And you're coming home at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, it's pitch black. So it's far more northern than people realize, because people, especially in America, associate Irish Americans. But we're far more northern than most people understand. So when you got up at 5.30, it was freezing cold. There was always drafts and cold air blowing through the house. You put on coats and whatever else over your pajamas. We would look underneath the door. In our living room, our parents would lock the door 
and there'd be about an inch underneath the door and you'd look underneath the door and the breeze, the draft would like cut you in two in your eyes and as you looked under because you wanted to get a glimpse of what presents were under the tree. And we didn't have a lot and the presents were rarely spectacular, okay? But it was this anticipation and we would get up and then we'd look under the door because it was too early to get mom and dad up. We'd Even as kids, we'd make a cup of tea to kind of keep warm and we'd wait around, we'd talk and we'd look under, what was that? What does that look like? I don't know. What do you think that was? And what do you think that was? And we'd have this whole conversation and then about 6 or 6.15 when we couldn't wait anymore, we'd go upstairs and bug our parents to give us the key and the old man would always pretend to be asleep and this and that and the other. And it's just the anticipation would constantly build. Finally, we'd get the key, we'd get in there and you know, you got a gift and then you gave each other a gift. And again, I can't remember particularly any gift I got that was that memorable. But the anticipation of what it could be or what might be under there was the greatest thing. And the anticipation was greater than any gift I ever got. And it still is. And I think about it from time to time. And as I was preparing for this message, I was thinking to myself, when was the last time I had the anticipation of a child? When was the last time I looked forward to something that I, I just couldn't wait, just couldn't wait for it? You know, it's interesting as we become in our very, very comfortable lives we live today, there's less and less we anticipate and more and more we expect. And that expectation then turns into sometimes a sense of entitlement. But that sense of anticipation and appreciation, that is, to me, that was always what I associated with Christmas growing up. And it's something that I want to touch into more than just once a year. The next thing was, you know, thinking about getting up in the freezing cold. Like, I would no more get up in the morning today for whatever. There'd be a big car parked outside. I wouldn't give a rip. But the key is, when the prize is great, the price is small. And so that whole, the gift of anticipation, if the prize is great to you, the price you pay will be very small. And so getting up, freezing cold, needing a drink, putting coats on inside the house, the whole thing. There was an awkwardness of looking underneath the door. When we looked under the door, I mean, there was always a draft. And people who grow up in Ireland are certainly cold climates. And you know the story. And the wind is coming underneath the door and cut you in two. We would stare into this thing. And it's like to get this blast of air <laughs> into your eyeballs. But it's like when the prize is great, the price is small. Isn't that what we all need to keep our eyes on the prize, whatever the prize is. Is the prize a better relationship with your spouse or loved one? Is the prize the health that you desire? Whatever the prize is, the price, if the prize is great, the price is small. If you want to be in the best shape of your life, working out, eating right, that price is actually pretty small if you keep your eyes on the prize, on the prize of what you want. If you want to have a great business, and all the blessings that come from that, having great customers and, and a great experience and loving what you do because you're loving who you're working with because you've got all these choices. And then it gives you this economic opportunity and you're able to do things for yourself and your family and loved ones. The prize is so great, then the price is small to do the little things you need to do. So I think about that and that sense of anticipation. It gets you up in the morning, it gets you up in the cold. And then there was one more thing about our holiday growing up is that our Christmas looked like this. We get up in the morning, We'd do the presents. And we had six kids, and we'd all buy each other gifts. So that's the part that took a long time. Same thing as my family today. We have six kids, and they all buy each other gifts. And that's kind of their favorite part, you know. But 
then we'd go and we'd make ourselves a breakfast. We have an Irish breakfast, and you'd cook the rashers or the bacon, as you call it, on the back of the turkey, and do that overnight and all this stuff. So we'd have a great breakfast. And then we would do this. I think to American sensibilities, this would be somewhat shocking. After that, we get in a station wagon, mom, dad, six kids, and we drive to the graveyard every Christmas morning. And we'd go visit. We had a grandparent on either side that was alive up until 1980 and then 1982. And then after 1982, they were all gone. We'd go and visit our grandparents on both sides of the family. They were both in a cemetery called Mount Jerome Cemetery in Harold's Cross. Anybody who's ever taken a tour through Buffini Company, they'll see the original Buffini Company sign, and it says Harold's Cross. That's where my grandfather's house was and his painting business was. And we would walk through the cemetery. So think about this. You've gotten up. You've had this sense of anticipation. You're up in the cold. You're choosing the prize. The prize is small. And now you go to a cemetery. And you go, well, you know, again, somebody could say, well, that's very Irish, classic, you know, melancholy group but I would say this it was a beautiful day it was always crisp clear cold but it gave you a great sense of perspective I even remember as a very young child immediately thinking all these gifts are going to go away and we're here to pay our respects to our grandparents we're here to be here as a family and I remember thinking, I might have been five or six years old the first time I had this thought the only thing that's going to last is relationships with people. I remember thinking that as a child. And it quickly put into place what we would do. And then following that, we'd go over to our Aunt Susie's house and we'd have a glass of orange juice or actually a soda. We'd have a rock shandy. That was it. We have rock shandy. You have to Google rock shandy. It's nectar of the gods. And we'd have a rock shandy. Then we'd go back, watch Top of the Pops, the Queen's Speech, because BBC was the only bloody TV we had. And then we'd have Christmas dinner. And what a fantastic day. That night we'd be playing card games and this and any other. Ham sandwiches, turkey sandwiches, bread, YR sauce. You're going to have to Google all this. You Americans have lived such a stilted life. I'm looking into the control room here. I might as well be looking into a field of thistles. They've no idea what I'm talking about. Here's what I want to share with you. Christmas Day was the best because it had this gift of anticipation. And that's where it started. And what I want to remind myself today and what I want to remind all of you today is that as you go through all this, that gift of anticipation, when was the last time you felt that? Put yourself into that place again. If you have kids that are open up presents and all the excitement they have, put yourself in that place again. And then the last piece to this puzzle is ultimately the only thing that's going to last. All this stuff, you know, I, people say to me, you know, we sold our airplane here uh, not so long ago. People say, oh, do you miss having a Learjet? And I go, you know, 100% I believe that every part of that's going to end up in the dumpster. It's going to end up getting recycled and maybe turned into washing machines. That stuff's not going to last. The only thing that lasts is the relationships we have. So that's the big thing. Next, I want to talk to you about the greatest Christmas I ever had. And the greatest Christmas I ever had was with my bride. I'm married now. I have a couple of small kids. And this is the perspective piece. In my life, I've owned 47 businesses. I have about nine. I think I have 10 businesses today that are doing very well. Thank God. But I've owned 47 different enterprises. Some of them are real estate LLCs and things like that. And out of the 47 businesses, 46 of them have made money. Some of them have lost a lot of money. So I have a pretty good track record. But I had one business that failed. I had one business that failed. And I will share with you, it takes six hours to put a bad deal together. And sometimes it can take you six years to get out of it. And this was a deal that haunted me. It was a, initially a small investment that turned into a larger investment. 
that then because of my pride and ego, I couldn't let go of. And I fought it all the way to the point that it took me down. It took me down financially. It took me down emotionally. It took my confidence, everything you can imagine. It also happened at a time when there was a recession. So even though I had done well up until that point in time and I had real estate holdings, as the market adjusts on occasion, I had all these real estate holdings and the market had crashed at the same time with a big recession, especially centered in Southern California in early 90s. I couldn't get my equity out of the properties I owned. So now all of a sudden I went from making a business mistake, using up all my available cash. The assets I'd built up were not liquid at the time. And so now I couldn't access equity I had in different properties and things like that. And now it became a grind. My wife and I went through a period where it was rough, dog rough. And we were in a place called Tierra Santa, which is kind of an interesting name. It means Holy Land, which is funny, but it's a suburb of San Diego. And we're living in this house. I never forget it. We had ordered this dining room table and chairs. We had sold our other furniture and this and any other. And it took, you know, 10, 12 weeks to get it. And this business venture had suddenly collapsed in on itself. And now all of a sudden, I'm calling up, canceling the new furniture. So now it's Christmas. This thing had come pretty strong. Our cash flow got swallowed up very quickly. I have two young kids. We have two of the main rooms in the house with no furniture. We were buying furniture to bring it in there. I canceled it. So it's a very sparse-looking house. And there are no Christmas gifts under the tree. And again, it got so strange and we got so cash-strapped for a period of time. I mean, literally, it was what's in the pantry. And it was just the most shocking experience because we went from doing really well to all of a sudden not doing well at all. So a good friend of mine who was a golfing buddy, his name was Tom Kelly. And Tom Kelly was a grisly old warrant officer in the Navy. 26 years in the Navy, living on ships, being overseas, never got married met him playing golf we became golfing buddies he was a rough gruff good old american navy vet like you'd think a picture almost in a movie we never talked about what we were going through or this or that and the other as long as i knew tom all to the day he died we never really had deep conversations he was just a good buddy we played golf we enjoyed sports we had things in common his father was irish so we had that in common it's christmas eve it's six o'clock And I'm sitting down and I feel like a complete failure. You know, my dad never had the resources I developed in America or whatever else. But they always had Christmas dinner. They always had gifts for us. They always had this. And I'm looking at a Christmas where I don't have... I mean, we're looking at pork and beans and an omelet for a Christmas dinner. I have no gifts for the kids. I have two very small kids. And at 6 o'clock on Christmas Eve, the doorbell rings. And Tom Kelly's there. And he's, hey, how you doing? Da, 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 da. I just wanted to come by. And he brought a six-pack of beer. We sat down and had a couple of beers together. And he brought gifts for the kids. And then he said, hey, I won this golf tournament. And they gave me this frozen turkey. I'm not cooking no frozen turkey. And I don't know that he won a golf tournament or not. But he gave us a basket with a frozen turkey and the stuffing and the this and the that and all the fixings for Christmas dinner. And... To this day, it is the greatest Christmas I ever experienced. It was the most thankful Christmas I ever had. Beverly and I speak about that Christmas every year. We talk about how blessed we felt, how we were not usually in a position to be receiving from somebody. And what I'm 
blessing it was that someone cared enough to come by and see the need in the smallest of ways and bless us with that. And Tom Kelly, you know, he'd seen me kind of rise up and become successful in real estate and rise up with all these real estate holdings and everything else. And he was not a motivational speaker, but on the way out the door, you know, Beverly gave him just a big bear hug embrace. And he shook my hand, which is all we ever would do. And he says, he just looks at me and goes, remember, it's not how hard you fall, it's how high you bounce. And then he just walked out the door. Greatest motivational speech I was ever given. The greatest word of encouragement I ever received. And the relationship, noticing a need, the small token, that's the greatest Christmas I ever experienced. And I wonder, and I think about it all the time, is how can we give that gift to other people? And I think about that all the time. Sometimes it's a kind word. Sometimes it's a small gesture. But there's people all around us, and that's the magic. And Tom Kelly from that day on became knitted to my heart, and I'd have done anything for him, anytime, anywhere. And like I said, we've gone on to do great things and have great things and and experience all of the best that life has to offer. But that's the best Christmas I ever experienced. The last thing I want to leave you here with today, and I don't want to take all your time if you're listening live on Christmas Day, If not, the spirit of Christmas and this whole message can be with you whenever you listen to it. I want to talk to you about the precious present. Years ago, I met a man by the name of Spencer Johnson. Spencer Johnson is very well known. He co-authored The One Minute Manager with Ken Blanchard. He wrote a book called Who Moved My Cheese? And that book actually was launched through our company in 1998. And uh, I went over to Hawaii and spent a few days with Spencer Johnson. Uh, I was, again, the Irish angle. He, he's Dr. Spencer Johnson. He actually went to med school at a place called the College of Surgeons in Dublin, which is about a mile from where I grew up. But Spencer Johnson, my wife's favorite book of his, is not the one-minute manager who moved my cheese. He wrote a book called The Precious Present. And it's a simple story, and it basically just kind of lets people know that at the end of the day, the greatest present is the present and understanding the concept of time. And that, like I say, all things end up in a dumpster or a landfill or getting recycled. But the precious present is understanding the concept of time. And, you know, I want to go through that a little bit. So here, here's the word precious. It's precious, it means of great value. Not to be wasted or treated carelessly. It's a powerful thing. The present itself is a thing given to someone as a gift. A thing given to someone as a gift. And in this case, it's the gift of time. You know, I mention all the time, you know, we got Danny in there in the engineering room. We got David Lally, our producer. Julie, who manages the podcast. And we have Murph. We call Murph the intern. He actually became a full-time employee. But Murph came straight from high school, interned at Buffini Company. We have a big intern program here. And we bring in all these kids. And he did such a great job. We offered him a job. And he decided to go to the College of Buffini instead of some junior college down the street. And so we get the influence of Murph, the intern. And he found something. Now, he found a quote from Kung Fu Panda. This is the kind of in-depth research that we have here at Buffini Company. It turns out the quote is actually from a very, very profound African scholar named uh, Olatunji. But I'm going to quote, Murph gave this quote from Kung Fu Panda, and it says, Yesterday is history, tomorrow's a mystery, and today, today is a gift. That's why we call it the present. Yesterday is history, tomorrow's a mystery, and today is a gift. That's why we call it the present. Precious is of great value. 
present is a gift given to someone. And, you know, a lot of us, we get hung up in our past and we can be haunted by our past. I think it's okay to be shaped by our past, but you can't drive a car by constantly looking in the rearview mirror. And that's why the windshield is 30 times bigger than the rearview mirror. You need to focus on where you're going and not all of where you've been. You need to learn from your past, but not get judged by your past or stuck by your past. And the other thing is tomorrow, well, tomorrow causes a lot of apprehension and anxiety for people. And so we got to learn to live in the present. And the greatest gift I've been given is the greatest present I've been given is why Christmas is called Christmas to me. And that is, you know, as a fellow who grew up on the wrong side of tracks and, and made a lot of mistakes growing up and a lot of rough edges, when I was 19 years of age, I had my eyes open spiritually by the very meaning of Christmas. And Christmas, the greatest gift I got is when my life changed by I opened up the present of faith. And faith opened up my heart, it opened up my life, it opened up my eyes. And I've been on a faith journey ever since for the past 32 years now. And that's the greatest gift I've ever received. And I hope that I in some way uh, share that gift with people all the time, that the love of that faith, the grace of that faith, the encouragement of that faith, that's what I want to bring to people all the time. And like I said to my staff, you and I don't have to believe the same thing. But uh, I hope you're glad that I believe what I believe because I hope it's a blessing to you and I hope it encourages you. For those of you who, for whatever reason, you chose to automatically download the podcast today and we've set this up so it'll be Christmas Day, maybe you're out going for a walk with the doggies, maybe you ate a little too much turkey and you got the tryptophan coma going on, whatever it is, I'm glad I got to spend Christmas Day with you for a few minutes. And I hope that the precious present will be a blessing to you. I hope the year that's coming will be your best year ever. I hope the gift of anticipation is yours. I hope that you've experienced and will experience that greatest Christmas ever, not only in giving, but also being open to receive. And ultimately, I hope you embrace the precious present. You are of great value, and the day is of great value. And a present is a thing that is given to someone as a gift. I hope you embrace the gift of life I hope you enjoy this day as a gift. I hope it's a blessing for you. I'm very, very thankful because it's a gift to me that I get to do this work. It's a gift to me that people like yourself tune into a show like this. It's a gift to me that I get a chance to share the gifts God's given me with people who seem to be interested and keep coming back and tell their friends. So I thank you for telling your friends. I thank you for uh, allowing me to share this time with you. I thank you for the opportunity to use the gifts I have as a gift to you. And I hope it blesses your life. And I hope you share what your gifts are with someone else who needs a blessing as well. Happy Christmas. Happy New Year. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. And we'll see you in the new year. God bless.